Well, welcome back to week number two of this short two-week series called Be My Guest. And uh, just cards out on the table, no strings attached, nothing hidden. Uh, The goal of these two weeks is simply uh, to help you, to inspire you, to encourage you, to challenge you, uh, to push you into uh, the power of invitations, uh, to understanding the importance of us inviting people and bringing people to Christ. And so over these two weeks, I'm simply challenging us uh, to look at the people in our lives, those people who we have relationships with, those people that we're connected with uh, on the work, in the workplace, in our families, at schools, whatever that looks like, and simply invite them specifically next Sunday morning to our Easter worship experience at 1030. And so uh, we've been looking, last week we looked at the great inviter, a man named Andrew, one of Jesus' disciples, who three times in scripture we read that he brought people to Jesus and their lives were radically transformed. Um, I don't know if you've ever had the joy and the privilege of inviting someone to Jesus and seeing their life change dramatically, uh, but there is undescribable joy that surrounds that event. Uh, A simple ask, a simple question can change someone's life. Simply inviting someone to come to a church uh, experience uh, has the potential to change the eternity for someone, and so often we fail to understand the importance of making those invitations, and so this series is simply about challenging us to do just that. So last week we looked at uh, the inviter, we looked at Andrew, and today I want us to look at uh, the invited. And we're going to look at a man named Nathaniel, and we're going to look at an encounter that he has with Jesus that changes his life and hopefully help us understand why we may be hesitant to invite people uh, because of the reactions that they initially have. And so I'm just going to share a few thoughts with you this morning, and then we're going to jump back into some music and I'll let you kind of help us gear up for next week. Um, Turn with me, if you have a Bible, to John chapter number 1. John chapter number one, we're going to piggyback off of last week's story where two disciples of John the Baptist, two followers of John the Baptist were pointed towards Jesus by John the Baptist himself. Uh, These two disciples followed Jesus and went with him and after having an encounter with him, uh, they went and made invitations and became followers of Christ. And so last week we talked about Andrew bringing his brother Simon Peter and how that dramatically changed the course of history, not only for his family, but for the entire world. And so today we're going to pick up on what happened just after uh, the writer of John, John the disciple, describes that experience. This is verse number 43 of John chapter number 1. It says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, and finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Now Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Notice what Philip does. So many times we, uh, we follow Jesus and we think that's important, we think that's the most important thing, and it is. It's critical that we become followers of Jesus and invest our lives into his work here on the earth. But, but Philip teaches us, like Andrew, that it's, it's not enough just to follow Jesus alone, that we need to bring others with us. And so it says that Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So Philip sees Jesus, has an encounter with Jesus, decides to follow Jesus, but doesn't want to go alone because he has a relationship with a man named Nathaniel. And he cares about Nathaniel enough not to simply leave him behind as he follows Jesus, but to bring him along. 
And so he goes and finds Nathanael and he says, this is the one that Moses and the prophets wrote about. This is Jesus of Nazareth. You've got to come and follow me. And, and this, I think, is the reason that we're hesitant to invite people to Jesus, to church, to follow Christ. Listen at, listen at Nathanael's reaction. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. I think it would be safe for us to, to kind of apply this to us and say, Winder, just kidding. Can anything good come from there? You mean Jesus is? Okay. Nathaniel's first reaction wasn't excitement, wasn't overwhelming joy. He wasn't convinced that Jesus was worth following. Notice this. Notice the hesitation. Notice that he comes back after a question to, to, in, to be invited to follow Jesus. He comes back with a, a hesitant response, with, with a negative, like, there's no way that that's, something that, that could be worth following. And, and if you're like me and you've become frustrated because you've invited someone to church, you've invited someone to a conversation about Jesus, you've invited someone to a lifestyle and, and there's been some hesitation, there's been some pushback, there's, there's been some stiff arm where, where people are just like, I'm just not convinced, I'm just not quite there, I just don't quite buy in the way you buy in. I mean, I see that you think he's worth following, but I mean, come on, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? I mean, is it even possible that this guy is worth following? I mean, he would have come from, from somewhere much more prestigious. He would have, he would have been born into a, a royal family. He would have been like a, an earthly king here that would have been naturally ruling the earth. I mean, that's someone that I would think that these prophets and Moses would have prophesied would have come to lead us into God's kingdom. That would have been someone worth following, but someone from Nazareth, some lowly person that isn't well-known and prestigious, you expect me to follow him. And we have those conversations where people say, you know, church, I don't really do the church thing. You ever, you ever got that? Hey, you, you want to come to my church? I think you'll love it. I, I'm not really into church. I don't really do the church thing. And what are they saying? They're saying, can anything good come out of church? And basically what they're saying is, we have heard and we know people who have been to Nazareth. We know what comes out of Nazareth. We know the reputation that Nazareth has. How can someone out of Nazareth be worth following? And what they're saying to us when they say, I'm not really into church. I don't really do the church thing. Church isn't really for me. What they're saying is, I've met church people. I've heard of what church is like. I have a preconceived notion of, of what's going to happen when I walk through the doors and it doesn't seem attractive to me. It doesn't seem like something worth investing my time or my life or my energy into. I've heard of that church thing and can anything good come from it? And they have these mindsets that people who go to church, they're just weak-minded people who need a crutch in life and want to convince themselves mentally that they can make it through life's struggles and they don't feel like they need that. They don't, or, or they've been to church before, and let's be honest, we haven't all had great church experiences. And if you're like me, you've, you've had some bad church experiences, you've had some experiences in church that, that shaped your view of the church, and when someone speaks to you about church, you carry that with you into the conversation. And so Nathaniel says to Philip, can anything good come from Nazareth and the people that we talk to may simply say, I'm not into church. I don't really do the church thing. Why should, why should I come to church? 
I've heard of the church thing. Listen to Philip's response, which I think we can learn from. He doesn't say, no, 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 sit down, sit down, sit down. I've got to explain this to you. Like you're missing it. You're missing it all together. Let me explain this. Let me teach you why you're wrong. And let me help shape your understanding. He doesn't say that. He simply says, come and see, said Philip. You see it? He's like, I don't have to convince you of anything. Just, just come and check it out. Just come and see for yourself. Before you simply make a statement based on something you haven't experienced before, why don't you just, just come and see? And we can have this conversation after you've been in front of Jesus or after you've been in my church. And we can have this conversation and you can tell me then why it's not for you and nothing good can come from Nazareth. But there's no need for us to like get in debates and argue with people and, and try to defend the church that we love so much or defend the Jesus that we follow so wholeheartedly. It's simply an invitation. So listen, I know something that apparently you don't. And that's that Jesus Christ has changed my life forever. And I want you to experience the same thing. And so I simply want you to come and meet this Jesus. And when there's hesitation, like, can anything good come from church? I mean, come on. You simply say, look, please, just come and see. Just come check it out. What's the worst that can happen? Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel asked, how do you know me? You see that? Do you see how Jesus knows more than we know how to impact someone and shape their view of him and shape their view of church? He knows that Nathaniel was a very religious person. He knows that Nathaniel was a Jew among Jews. He knows that Nathaniel had a great reputation and, and he followed the law and he understood the religious things that Jewish people would have lived according to. And when Jesus says to him, this simple statement, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He says, how do you know me? And listen to this. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Like before Philip even came and asked you to come with him to meet me, I saw that you were sitting under a fig tree. It blows his mind. Something that Philip could not have done. He couldn't have mustered up. He couldn't have had the words or the knowledge or the skill or the ability to convince him to have an experience with Jesus that he has. But Jesus does what only he can do in Nathaniel's life. And Nathaniel then declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. Man, I just, I love this story. Because it shows us that, that our goal, our aim, our approach in life isn't to mentally convince people to believe in something. But it's to invite them to have an experience with the living God of the universe. It's not to convince them that something good can come from Nazareth. It isn't to say, you know, Nathaniel, you should believe this or that. It's to say, just come and see. And what Jesus does in the life of a man named Nathaniel could not have been done by you or by me or by Philip, but only by Jesus. And don't you believe, don't you believe that's the truth for the people in your life who are far from God, who need Christ, is they don't need you to convince them to live according to a set of rules. They don't need to you to convince them to stop doing certain things that they're doing that you know are wrong. And they don't need you to convince them to start doing other things that would be more beneficial for them. And they don't need you to, to grade them on their attendance to come to a church event or a church experience. 
They need you simply to invite them to come and see Jesus, to come and have an experience with him. And I love that Jesus does what only he can do. Now, Philip had no clue that Jesus was going to tell Nathaniel things about his life that only God could have known. He didn't know that. He simply knew that he had an experience with Jesus that was worth inviting a friend of his to have the same experience. And so he makes a simple invitation. He invites him to come, and when he does, Jesus changes his life forever. This good man, this, this righteous man, this man who had followed the law, now saw something in Jesus that he had never seen before, and he became a new person altogether. And this Easter, that's what I'm inviting you to take part in. That's what I want for me, and that's what I want for you, is to have a conversation with a neighbor, is to have a conversation with a mom or a dad, is to have a conversation with a brother or a sister or a coworker or a cousin or an aunt or an uncle, or someone that you just meet in a grocery store that strikes up a conversation is not to encourage people to become religious or to become church people. I think there's a huge difference between church and churchy. I'm not a fan of churchy. I don't know if you can tell that by being part of our church. I'm not a fan of churchy. We don't want people to become churchy. We don't want them to do all the right things and to look a certain way. We want them to experience Jesus for themselves. Isn't that what we want? We want, we want them to share in the hope that we've found in Christ. Why would we want to go through life embracing the hope of Jesus when people all around us are so far from him? And so we have the potential. We've got seven days to have conversations, to hand out Easter invites, which I'll explain more later if you weren't here last week, to send an email or a Facebook message or to phone call or a text message or whatever it looks like. For us to extend an invitation for someone in our life just to come and see what it looks like. And on their end, here's what you're believing for them. Whether they're like Nathaniel and they're skeptical at first. Whether they've heard about the church thing and it's just not for them or they don't do the church thing. Whether they know people that go to church and that's why they aren't in church, which happens a lot. Whatever that dialogue looks like and whatever resistance you get, is we simply keep following up with, man, just come check it out. Just come and see. I think you'll love it. I know, I know, I know that you've had a bad experience or you hate church people. I do too sometimes. It's okay. I hate myself sometimes. People hate me. It's okay. We're not perfect. But please, just, just come. Just come. Just come and see. I want to read a couple of emails that I've gotten over the last week uh, from a few people in our church who received an invitation to come here specifically to Synergy and uh, just hope that you'll understand the potential that there is in asking someone simply to come to a church experience, simply to come and see what can happen in their life. My invitation to Synergy was a little different than the traditional story. You see, my daughter was invited by a friend to attend a Christmas service at Synergy back in 2011. I dropped her off with her friends. I knew she would have a good time and assumed that this was a one-time church experience for her. It turns out this was only the beginning for her and inevitably for my whole family. She was very insistent that I go with her to the Synergy launch in January of 2012. 
I agreed and let her drag me in. I can count on one hand how many times I had attended church, including this time. She made me sit second row center spot. I love this. Can I just say loud? Although I can't remember what Bronson's exact message was that day, I can tell you what I do remember. I remember watching my girl sing and worship God on the second row in church, something she did not learn from me, but instead I was learning from her in that exact moment. After a few weeks of attending with my daughter, I was able to get my husband and my son to come along. The amazing feeling that comes along with sitting on a church row with my entire family while worshiping an amazing God is beyond words and something I never saw in my future. Thanks to my daughter for bringing my family to the Lord. My daughter and I had both received salvation and been baptized at Synergy, all thanks to one invitation. Do do you see the potential that you have in simply asking someone to come to church? You You don't have to do the work. That's the beauty of it. You don't have to do what Jesus does in their life. You just have to invite them to come and see. You can't script that out. You can't make that happen. You can't convince someone that that's going to happen. That's a result of someone extending an invitation and someone coming and seeing and having a life change and going back and saying, hey, you got to check this out. Come with me, mom. And the mom comes and is like, whoa, this is different. Not what I expected, but I'm going to give it another try and another try. And now I'm going to get my husband and my son to come. And lives are being changed because of an invitation. You can't make it up. It's Jesus doing for this family what he did for Nathaniel because Philip invited Nathaniel to come and see him because this young girl was invited to come and see. And sometimes it, it's not even through a conversation with someone we know. I love, I love this email that I got. In January 2012, we received a flyer in the mail inviting us to try out a new church in Winder. We had been out of church for a while and this invitation was answered to our prayers. Little did we know that two years later we would be serving, we would be in a small group, we would be raising our family and dedicating our little one to the Lord in this amazing church. I could have easily, easily thrown that flower in the trash as junk mail. And honestly, if I had, I have no clue what would have happened. We may still be church homeless and complacent Christians. Our world was changed just by accepting that little invitation to come and try out Synergy. And praise God, we didn't use all those excuses that we have given before because we now have found this amazing church full of friends and family that we never would have known. I praise God for that little paper invite that put our lives on this course. We had raised money. We had had begged people to give us money so that we could send out a mailer that simply said there's a new church in town. I can't tell you how many awkward conversations I had with people who I didn't even have an incredible relationship with because I was desperate to have some type of funding to be able to do some things to let people know that we were doing what God called us to do here. And we were able to muster up just enough money to send out 10,000 mailers at the beginning of the year in 2012. And we, we sent these mailers out and we just prayed, God... We know the statistics. We know that one half of 1% of people will respond to a mailer that typically people are going to see it and it's junk mail and they're going to throw it in the trash. But we just pray that you would use a piece of paper to change lives. And because of that piece of paper that some of you gave money to help send out, this family, this family who was church homeless, as they put it, 
decided to give this new church in town a try. And two years later, they love our church. Their lives have been changed by our church. They've dedicated a child on this stage. They're part of a small group growing together with other families here in the church. They serve every week here at the church. Church for them isn't just a religious place. It's a way of life. It's something that's changed their hearts. And they're different because of it. And this is how I know that they're different because of it. Because this story is connected They go on to say, we'd invited our neighbors to come to church with us several times. We would drive by their house and see them out and just yell at them about how they would love our church in Winder. We just knew that they would love it because they would fit right in. So when they tried out that first Sunday, we felt so much pressure and just prayed that they liked it. You ever been there? Like they actually said yes, they actually came to church and you were like, oh Jesus, please don't blow this for me. Like, my reputation's on the line. I'm the one that invited them, and they're going to think bad things about me if this doesn't go well. So please, whatever happens, nothing crazy, and and just let the message be decent, and let him not make a fool of himself, and help the music to be good. Please, please, please. And they felt that pressure. I love that pressure, because if you're not feeling that pressure, it means you're not inviting people to church. But when you feel that pressure, and you feel that, like, oh, I hope that they're having a good experience. It's because you have compassion for someone. And it's because you love them enough to invite them. And when they showed up, you thought today could be the day that their life has changed, that they have an experience with Christ. Like it could happen for them the way it did for me. And you're just like on the edge of your seat. Like you're looking over and I'm like, like, what are they doing? Like, are they cussing us out? Are they flicking us off? What's happening here? Like, oh my gosh. Like they're actually looking at him while he's talking. This could, this could work. We're making progress. And there's this pressure that happens, and so they felt this pressure. But praise God that they didn't think we were crazy, and they now love it at Synergy. Seeing them wholeheartedly serving the Lord on Sunday is such an encouragement and inspiration to us. I'm so thankful that they were willing to accept our invitation because it's been a testimony to us that if the Lord puts it on your heart to invite someone to church, that he has a plan And a purpose for it. A piece of mail. A piece of paper. Ignited an interest in someone to come and check out a new church in Winder. And two years later they're so involved that they have the courage to speak to neighbors who weren't in church. And invite them to come. And they were so nervous when they finally came and just hoped that they didn't think they were crazy. And it turns out that Jesus had a plan for the new family too. And he's changed their hearts and he's changed their lives and they're now here involved serving every week. Could you imagine the potential that you have to change lives? I'm so guilty sometimes of looking at the people around me and being so irritated and annoyed and frustrated by their lifestyle that my first tendency is to get up on my throne and begin to cast judgment on them and say, they, if their life was so much different, we would just get along. The truth is, have I loved them enough just to invite them to come and see Jesus? Have I loved them enough? Have I had enough compassion for the people in my life simply to say, I think you'll love it. Just, just come check. I know you don't do church. I'm telling you, it's not, it's not churchy. It's not churchy. We mean a gym. We mean a gym. I know that that sounds bad too. But trust me, it doesn't, it doesn't look like a gym. 
They're like, you're not making progress. You're telling me you meet in the gym. <laughs> There's this verse in Acts chapter 15 that's it's kind of changed the, the way that I seek to, to do church, if you will. Kind of our mission. Um, I grew up in the church. I mean, from the time I was a little kid. Uh, when I was five or six, my parents divorced, and then God miraculously brought them back together. And when he did, he ignited a love for, for Jesus in their hearts, and they began taking us to church. I remember when I was you know, seven and eight years old, walking down an aisle in a Baptist church and shaking the preacher's hand and praying a prayer to accept Christ. And from the time I was um, almost eight years old, I've, I've always been in church. I've always been in church. And I love church. I've given my life to church. I've served in the church. I've, I've been to churches that are so boring that it's hard to stay awake. Let's just be honest. I've been to churches that are kind of weird. That you're just like, that's just, yeah, I'm not inviting anybody to see that. Because I don't know <laughs> if I like it. I've, I've been in churches my whole life. And it's easy, it's so easy for us just to think that because we love church and because we've been in church our whole lives, that the way that people have life change is by buying into church. And it's by loving church the way you love church and doing the things that you love to do. But there's this verse in Acts chapter 15, and in the context of this, this verse, uh, there's Jews and there's Gentiles in the Scripture, and, and God had given his promises to the Jewish people, and the church sprang up, and the church was making headway, and the church was growing like crazy. And all of a sudden, Jesus started doing for Gentiles what he was doing for Jews. And the Jewish people, they became upset and said, no, 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 no. Uh, it's okay if, if Jesus does for them what he's done for us, but they're going to have to act like us. They're going to have to become one of us. They're going to have to become circumcised and all the things that we've done, they're going to have to do to be part of what we're doing. And this huge debate broke out, and they had this meeting at in Jerusalem, it was kind of the first church board meeting, and all the big wigs of the whole New Testament church were there, and they were having this conversation. And James speaks up, and he, he makes this statement in Acts chapter 15, verse 19, where he says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles to turn to God. When I've read that verse, it just convinced me more than ever that churchy isn't the answer. In fact, sometimes less churchy is the answer because we want to do everything that we can to make it easy for people to turn to God. You're not inviting people to come to a church that's setting you up to look like an idiot in their eyes. Now, it could happen. But it's not set up that way. And there's nothing intentional about it being that way. You're inviting people to come to a church that specifically does things with the mind of someone far from God at heart. And when we plan together and when we have conversations as a staff and when we dream together, we're always thinking, what's the person that's far from God? What's the person who hates church? What's the person who hasn't been to church in their entire life? Or what's the person who was burned out on church from the time they were teenagers? What are they going to think about this? When they walk in the doors, what are they going to think? That's why you don't walk in and we don't have like pictures of Jesus on a cross and we don't ask people to take their shoes off at the door and come in because it's holy ground, Right? 
We don't ask people to turn to a certain page in a pretty religious hymn book because it's always been the songs that we've always sang. We're always trying to sing new songs that seem relevant to people who may not love church but might like music. Heck, we might even sing a song that's not even worshipful. That They just might say, hey, I've heard that song before. Wow, that band's pretty good. That's crazy. This isn't what I expected. That's what you're inviting people to. They don't have to get dressed up. It's a church where the pastor might wear a t-shirt on a Sunday morning. And they're going to find people who are friendly. Man, I've been to some of the meanest churches in my life. Have you? You ever? Church people can be mean. I'm telling you, you go to some churches and you sit in the wrong spot and you just see the conversation you have. Excuse me, sir. I know that you're new and you don't know how things work around here, but I've been sitting in that seat for 17 years, 18 uh, days and six hours. So it would be good for you to move, please. Are you serious? Is this a real conversation that we're having? I'm sorry, we don't, we don't dress like that here. You might want to come back on another day when, when you can wear something a little different. These are conversations that people have in churches, I promise. I promise. But you're, you're not inviting people to come to that church. You're not. You're inviting people to come to a church who exists solely to make Christ known in the lives of people far from God and who love people far from God so much that we've created a church environment that's conducive for them to have an experience with Jesus. It's a safe environment. They don't, there's no expectations for them. We don't look at them and judge them according to any kind of checklist and we don't have any conversations with them following up to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to do now. We're simply saying, hey, we love Jesus. He's changed our life. We think it'll work for you. Come check it out. You don't have to wear anything. Like you just come as you are. You don't have to stand up when we sing if you don't want to. You can sit there like a bump on a log. It's all good. I mean, you can just, whatever it looks like for you, just make yourself at home. That's what you're inviting people to come to. And you're inviting people to come to a place where, where musicians and production team members and guest services team members and family ministry, kids environment, volunteers meet every Sunday morning and pray specifically that they'll have an incredible experience. And we go out of our way to love them the best we can. We don't always get it right and we're not always perfect and we understand that there might be people who could potentially have bad experiences here but it's definitely not because we're not thinking about it. And so I want to beg you, I want to ask you with everything inside of me to have enough compassion in your heart to look at the people in your life and invite them to come and see Jesus and experience the joy that results when they have an experience with Christ just as you have. And it's nothing that you do, it's nothing you teach them, it's nothing you convince them of, it's simply a genuine, real relationship that's ignited by an experience that they have that you can't explain and they'll have a story like this and you'll have a story like this and you'll convince yourself more and more that Jesus is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do and our role is not to change lives our role is just to invite them to come and see can we pray together please father you are simply amazing it just blows my mind how we all have different stories of how we came to know you. And we all bring to the table a, a history that's different. Some of us have been in church our whole lives and some of us may have never been in church and some of us have been hurt by the church and some because the church has been wrong 
And we repent for that. We're sorry for that. But I pray, Father, that you would help us to be a church that loves people who are far from you. Help us to be a church that has enough compassion on people to simply invite them to come and see what you have to offer. And we may be nervous and hesitant and sitting on the edge of our seats if they actually come like we believe that they will. And we hope that they'll have a great experience. But at the end of the day, we can trust that all you've asked us to do is to invite them to come and see. And you can change a life when we can't. And you can give them a brand new story when we can't. But we can play a part in it by inviting them to come. And I pray that this year, next Sunday morning on Easter Sunday, we won't be uh, standing on the sidelines watching other people rejoice because someone they invited accepts Christ. But we'll be active in the game, eager and anticipating a new story that comes as a result of something you've allowed us to play a part in. Give us a boldness, give us a courage, give us a strength, give us this, just this wherewithal to love people enough to have a bold conversation and just convince people to come and see. Help us to be like Andrew, help us to be like Philip so that we can see stories like Peter and Nathaniel. And Lord, most of all, I pray that we would not make it hard for people who are turning to the Lord Pray that you would give us a clarity and a focus to always be intentional to not make it hard for people who are turning to Jesus. In Christ's name I pray, amen.